Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams and real world events to share and inspire, ultimately to create better art, tattoos, and machines together every day. We beam out nearly every day, and with your help, we've evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows. You are currently watching Machines, Magnetism, and Mayhem with special guest Tony Urbanic, Greg DiGiosanti. I screwed that up. And, <laughs> and Mike Schrager. All right. Close, you, close. I will try again before we get disconnect. You may be beaming in from YouTube or Facebook or listening to the podcast, but you can always get our latest event schedule and notifications and our official Reinventing the Tattoo community, which is found on both of your app stores. Apple and Google Play, or directly at community.reinventingthetattoo.com. All of our Reinventing Network shows, art jams, drawing groups, interviews, panels, webinars, seriously, all of this can be found on demand and found in our library as well as our YouTube and podcast channels. There are countless tattoo and art rabbit holes, perfect for your front room of your studio or to entertain your tattoo clients. In fact, we are actually beaming out four channels 24-7, and you can enter to win a goodie bag at reinventing247.com, as well as to see all of the different stuff that we have uh, going on all the time. Uh, those sample containers contain uh, Cheyenne cartridges and raw pigments, and you can sign up for those uh, anytime. We also have several weekly shows and drawing groups. So every single Sunday at 1 p.m., you can find Jason Lesser with his Reinventing Drawing Group, and all skill levels are welcome to beam in. Um, you basically just click a link for Zoom, and there you are with lots of other artists. Uh, every 9 p.m. on Sundays, myself, Jake Meeks, and Gabe Ripley have a new show called The Tattoo Weekly, where we talk about current events and different things that we find interest in. And you can find us on the Tattoo Now YouTube channel. Also, Mondays at 9 a.m., Jake Meeks of our affiliate Fireside Tattoo Network has his Reinventing Drawing Group. Mondays at 9 is a subscriber-only exercise with Guy Aitchison and many other artists from our Reinventing community, um, where we focus on different subject matter every single week. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with Ricardo Sturdivant, we have a drawing group with him where we focus on different topics every week. For example, drawing large to salt mall. Wednesdays at noon, Gabe has his Tattoo Now show with special guests every week. If you missed last week, we had Paul Talbot and an international sensation, if you ask me, musically, uh, graphically, all sorts. Um, you can find that in our library. Uh, Thursdays at noon, we have Fawn Baker and Jordan Ruckus with the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. And Thursday mornings, we'll have the subscribers-only exercises for apprentices. All skill levels are welcome, and we'll focus on beginner skills that you can um, consider fundamentals. All right, a few ways to support our show are upcoming pro development and on-demand shows. We have stuff from Andre Malcolm, uh, BJ Betts, Bob Tyrell, and others. All of these can be found at courses.reinventingthetattoo.com. Uh, before we get handed over to Tony, Mike, and Greg, we will uh, say thank you to our sponsors. We've got Alex at World Tattoo Events with the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. We have lots of stuff updating as conventions are rescheduling like crazy. We've got inkjet stencils. You can print stencils from your mobile or computer. Save your time, hands, or your apprentice's hands. Um, we have webinars and free samples in the app. Also, thank you to Raw Pigments, the not-so-new ink company that's tapping into the source with acrylic-free pigments that have been impressing artists across the globe. Um, you can find them at rawpigments.co. 
We also have DLize Pro, known internationally as Dermalize Pro. Uh, protect your art. If you're using Saran Wrap, so watch some of these videos of tattooers to see what this is all about. And of course, we have uh, Tattoo Now. Thank you to them providing technology for tattooers. And the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo, as we all know, Guy Aitchison. You can find his Biomech Encyclopedia, DVDs, machines, paintings, and all of that type of stuff at GuyAitchison.com. Um, of course, lastly, we'll thank our affiliates of Fireside Tattoo Network, uh, the Apprenticeship Diaries, and EcoFriendlyTattooSupplies.com. Um, if you haven't been checking out our calendar, we do have some amazing real world events and I'm thinking we'll try and invite all of these guys, right, Greg, to the, uh, the BYOB Paradise Gathering, October 3rd to 6th. I'm hoping to see Tony there as well. Uh, November 12th to 14th this year, we'll be traveling internationally to the Brussels Tattoo Convention. That's going to be a really interesting um, turnout. We've got Nick Baxter, Ivana, and Gabe doing seminars. We're going to be beaming in an art jam, all sorts of stuff. Next May, Derb is going to be having Hell City, May 20th to 22nd. And of course, uh, July 8th to 10th next year, the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo I'm so excited for. We'll have a reinventing track, artists. It's an amazing venue, and it's easy to get to from anywhere in the world. Uh, next July, 29th to 31st, we'll ask you about this too, Tony, the Rubber City Tattoo Invitational in Akron, Ohio with Tony Orbanic. If you guys have any questions, just drop us, drop us a comment in our YouTube or any of the channels if you'd like to ask Tony about that. October 20th to 23rd, we have the Paradise Tattoo Gathering next year. It is back. All right. We welcome any positive reviews on our channels and we love for you to follow us. If you'd like to host in our reinventing event or sponsor our community, just send us an email at management at reinventingthetattoo.com. All right, guys, I feel like I have uh, gotten an introduction going today. We're going to hand it off to Tony and Greg, and we'll be introducing our guests. Thank you so much for joining all right, Tony. How's it going today? Fresh hey. off a fresh off a nice run, huh? Fresh off a nice run, yes. Morning, everybody. I am Tony Urbanic, and I am the host of Machines, Magnetism, and Mayhem, a show where we pick and highlight certain machine builders and artists to talk about their craft, their art, their lives, their process, their tricks, their tips, the trade the mayhem in their lives, balance, conventions, et cetera. We talk about it all. We cover it all. Um, today, we have Mike Schweigert on with us and Greg D. Giacento, the co-host. Um, I'm going to just hand it over to Greg to do the intro to Mike as uh, those guys are a little more tight, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Meow, Mike. Meow. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? I'm Greg DiGiacento. Uh what can you say about Mike? Uh, he's the reluctant ambassador to the very spirit of tattooing. Great guy. He's the gatekeeper to all the good history and stuff. And uh, he's a he's a guy I look up to, and he's a great dude. So you know, let's let's hear about what Mike has to say. Um, so uh, you know, we we kind of know your story a little bit uh, through other uh, podcasts and things you did about where you started and. Mm -hmm. How long? You, I mean, we can start like you know how long you've been tattooing for, I guess. Well, I started in uh, late '88, so I don't know. There was that 32 years. 32 years, and you just had uh, a uh, anymore. A, a couple couple um, years ago, you had like a little anniversary party. And yeah, everything. yeah. And you guys, we tried to do like a little mini 30th. convention at the shop. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, your shop is Electric Tattoo in Asbury, New Jersey. Electric Tattoo in Asbury. Yep. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's like it's you know it's pretty much how it is. It's just a normal conversation. Yeah, stuff. it's your show. Yeah. This is about you, Mike. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It'll be a boring show. Fine. We want to hear you. Nobody wants to listen, Nobody wants to, listen to my bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. I do. Me. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Asbury, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Yep. Mm-hmm. How close are you to Greg? Uh, we're about, what, about an hour and a half away? Hour, roughly? Hour, hour and ten if I'm driving. Okay. Yeah. Hour and five. <laughs> so, you spend a lot of time with Mike, like doing builds and whatnot, Greg? Oh no no no! We we you know we we're both very busy. We don't get to uh, see each other at all, actually. But uh, I I see him on the Instagram all the time, and uh, he's been building machines and collecting machines and you know, collecting tattoo history for a very long time. So uh, uh, hopefully someday we'll get together and build some stuff. That would be incredible. But uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think we had talked about maybe doing some stuff a while a while ago, but I'm always like yeah, so you- reluctant to do and stuff like that because i'm so insecure about what i do and i'm like ah i can't like build this like what if it's whack <laughs> and i give it to mike and it sucks well it's like you know what i mean yeah well first of all like, oh, I'm I, don't sorry. Really, I don't fully consider myself to be a machine builder like you guys like straight up build machines oh, I'm more i no. <laughs> i'm more of an, uh, an assembler you know what i mean i uh I have made machines, you know, cut, you know, cut side plates, braids, so forth and so on. But, uh, right. you know, I, it's something that was instilled in me, like not instilled, but like, I remember years ago, you know, a couple of my favorite tattooers were Mike Malone and Scott Sterling. And uh, they made really great machines on existing frames. And that was always kind of like stuck with me in my head. And I kind of like certain, certain existing frames are some of my favorite frames. So yeah, so to say, because to say I'm a machine builder, I think it's a little bit of an overstatement, but I appreciate the fact that you guys say that. But uh, yeah, well, I would love to sit I mean, down and, and I, I, like, trust what me, saying, there's, was, there's like what you're saying is I always like, yeah, you, you, you make a better machine than me. So, well, why would you want to do a collaboration with me? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, uh, is that is it, is it me that's messed up? Oh, uh, yes. I would just say like yeah, you're always messed up. <laughs> sorry, I'll try. You're uh, lagging, lagging wagon. Oh, uh, South Jersey lag. South Jersey. Lag. I think it, machine builder. When it comes to machine building, it's all relative, you know, because you could tattoo with a stick. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to building, I, it's hard to put. I mean, there is a class of machine builders. If you want to do a hierarchy, yes. But I, I think all the best are dead, really. You know, mm-hmm. and the ones that are alive, everybody just does so much cool and different stuff. It's hard to really categorize and organize to say so. To say that somebody's better than somebody else, in my opinion, I just think we're, we're all one and the same, and we're just doing our thing. I, yeah. Personally, I don't like to categorized like that i do weird stuff you do weird stuff greg does weird stuff kevin Riley does weird stuff everybody's we're still talking about tattoo machines right yeah okay that too what's that you said we're still talking about tattoo machines right yeah 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 yeah. am i no (laughs) 
So anyhow, um, you you said you're more of an assembler, but you've you've cut side plates and put stuff together, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, in my opinion, that's a builder. I okay. Mean, build the stuff. I mean, right. Greg, in my opinion, Greg is like a purist. Everything's got to mm-hmm. be handmade from scratch. Um, I go back and forth. So it's, yeah, but I wasn't always like that. It's all different. Yeah, I wasn't either. I went yeah. through phases. I was a purist, and I went through production phases. Like I just, I just do it to do it now. So yeah, I think what, what, you know, what really has, matters is go ahead, Mike. I just think that when it really comes down to it, I've always felt like the tuning was the main, my main focus. That's what I really enjoy to do. And that's what it really boils down to a lot of times. Like you can kind of make, like you said before, you can tattoo with a stick. It's yeah. a matter how to, how to make it work for you. So you're the master tuner. Yeah. Let's not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I can tune them how I like them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Mike has uh, I think Mike has the last, uh, the last laser cut sides and stuff that I ever made. Oh yeah. Those orange frames. Uh, he's got, he's got two, those, there was like the, I swear oh, the lag, next ones lag. I made were like all handmade. <laughs> like it was like, you know, like those orange ones or whatever. And yeah. I remember uh-huh. I, I, what I, what I really thought was cool is when I, when I brought them up to you, I think it was a black Panther. I went and visited yep. that shop and, uh, and I thought it was really cool. And, uh, you know, like I took all this time, I was like really, really nervous to give them to you, I, you know, you know, you know, so I, I wanted to have them be perfect. And, uh, and so I set them up perfect. Liner was perfect. Shader was perfect. I think they were the first like handmade coil cores I ever made, but like the frames were all mm-hmm. laser cut. So, uh, I wanted them to be like perfect, perfect. And, uh, I brought them up to you and you checked them out. You put, you, you put the clipboard in it and it was like, Bram. And you looked at it for two seconds and then you immediately started taking them apart. And I'm like, Oh shit, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> like, like took them apart right away after I was like spending like a good, like two, three weeks, like breaking them in, making sure they were perfect. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like back in the day, that's how, at all. yeah, you, you like took the A bar <laughs> part, like right away and like started fucking with the springs and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's like, Right, that's like how you do. It. Well, weren't like, we talk? Weren't we talking about? Weren't we talking about spring ten, like spring tensions and bends when we were doing that? Oh, dude, I don't. Maybe, I don't know. But it I was like, like I, I don't think I would have just taken them straight apart and just said, okay, I would. I definitely would have tattooed with them. Yeah, I don't know. I remember, I get, I remember, that's how I, I buy remember it. putting them back together, and I'm like, oh shit, he's not like. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> it was pretty fucking cool though. I mean, because like nobody does that. Like you get it, you buy a tattoo machine from somebody. And it's just like, oh, unmolested, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got to put it on tack gear now because mm-hmm. it's unmolested. I just got it resprung and shit like I that. I always molest. That's, that's how, like, yeah. I never went out to, you know, like, people always say I'm a machine collector, but I never really planned on being a collector of machines. I just, that's how you learn about them. Right. You know, you get a machine from somebody you like and respect, and you see how they do things, and then see what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then adapt it, you know? Right. Yeah, of course. Like learning curves, you know? Yeah, that's that's pretty much like what we all did before it was like not cool to take somebody's machine apart, you know, somebody's machine. It's like your machine. You bought the thing, right? Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, where did you, who was a, who was a big inspiration to you to, to start messing with machines and stuff? Well, I mean, I was, 
the guy Jack Witt who taught me, um, like he started it by when I was apprenticing, he gave me two Supreme machines and basically he just told me to study them because I had to sit there and just study them. And then I found out why one day when I came in, there's two piles of parts and I had to put them all back together. And um, he was always a machine. You know, he was not a builder, but he always really maintained his machines. Like, you know, like always tuning them, cleaning the points, like just really on top of, of, of mechanics. Um, but then stuff I'd say from there, what's that? That stuff nobody knows how to do today. Yeah. And then from there, I started hanging around with like going up to Tony the Pirate Shop a lot. And then um, kind of became friendly with him. And then he started making those bolt together machines. You remember see those machines that he did? The ones that he bolted together, you know, three piece yeah. or two piece frames. They're like stamped, stamped upright. And then they had like a bolt on base. Um, Almost like an Apollo. Yeah, very much like that. Because he the star machine was, was his original design. Mm-hmm. And then... From that, him and the guy, Andy Keeter, who made the star machines, had like a falling out. And uh, Tony went on and making a different style frame. And when he started going more into production, not production, because he was never, he was always a one, you know, just him. And, and I used to go up there and hang out with him on Tuesdays on my day off. We started like, he had like started letting me hang around in the back room and start helping him put machines together. So he was kind of one of the first people to kind of get me into like straight, I guess, with really building machines. Where'd okay. you guys go? We're here. I'm okay, I was just, was just staring at myself in two screens. Yeah, I no, like Greg, <laughs> Greg freezes up every <laughs> now and again. I'm still here. I got you. So, yeah. yeah so, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, so Tony the Pirate, I would say, was probably the first person. No. So I, I'm You guys familiar uh, with the Pirate? Tony the Pirate? Pardon me? I know Greg is because he, he had a shop in Atlantic City way back when. I never met him, but I, I've heard of him through the grapevine. There's yes. actually Is this the, a, did he have a he had a shop uh Hello? Hello? Oh, I thought you were still talking. I was. Uh yeah, uh I think Tony you're, you're lagging Tony out had a, a shop in Atlantic City on Atlantic Avenue. Yeah, that was Tony Jr. I mean his son I mean they owned it together, okay. but the son ran it. But Tony was like, you know, he's an old, okay. he, he learned a tattoo from Sailor Ralph and, and on the Bowery and then worked for Brooklyn Blackie, you know, in the 50s and early 60s. Um, then really okay, right. in New, like, you know, my area of New Jersey when, uh, you know, Newark became illegal. So he was there up until yeah. early 2000s, I'd say, then he moved to Virginia. Okay. Yeah. If, uh, if, 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 if I'm not mistaken, um, he had a place, uh, I guess, like his son, like you said, had a place on Michigan. It was like in between Ohio and Michigan Avenue on Atlantic Avenue. I would walk by it to go to school. Okay. Like, when I went to the, to grade school, and it was fucking scary as shit looking. I can believe that. <laughs> it's like, you know, like the tattoo shops in Atlantic City. There wasn't many of them, but they were so scary looking. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like a little kid from the hood, and you know, scared to death of everything anyway. So like, but yeah, I remember like just looking in and it was just dark. It was right across from like uh, Columbus Park, which is now the walk. I think there's probably like, uh, probably like a gap outlet or something there now. Wow, <laughs> okay. That's the area it was then. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right near the hospital. Okay. So it's like, you know, I, I guess they're, I don't, I don't, I don't really know 
think it might have been like right in front of Caesars where the Caesars parking garage was. Uh, but I could be wrong. Um, so you, you learned a lot from the pirate and everything. And he kind of, uh, uh, as we, we had talked about before, he had let you help him uh, assemble machines. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, like it, it was just one day. I forget what we were, because he was, it was him and his son. And then I guess he was trying to, what, what, how it kind of worked was he's like, I got to start building these machines. Would you want to come up here and do some tattoos on Tuesdays so I could work on machines? And then, you know, Tuesdays, typically a slow day anyway. So there are nobody, no customers. So I just go in the back and kind of hang out with him and he'd wrap, you know, he used to use a lathe to wrap his coils, like a big old lathe. It was kind of funny because two people that, you know, were really influential in me working on machines were Ernie Carafa and, and Tony. And, you know, Tony and Ernie would use a really typical coil, coil winder when Tony would use a lathe. He would muscle that thing. Like he'd have it run real slow, a lot of torque. And he'd take a real, Ernie would wrap a set of coils in 30 seconds. Yeah. But a pirate would take a long time. Yeah. Um, so he'd work on a lathe. And then, a lathe. <laughs> what's that? There's not a lot of control with a lathe, even, even at a, yeah. low, a low setting. Mm-hmm. You know, he would like, and you'd see, he would like have to wrench it back to get, like yeah. to pull off some wraps and get it back on. It was, it was kind of, you know, for an old man, he was a strong motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but anyway, that, that, that so, I, I would, I would, I would think that would be like, you know, shooting a, a mouse with an elephant gun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like looking back on it now, it was definitely like there, he would definitely have to like unwrap because it would start getting out of control. Like it wouldn't be even. He'd have to unwrap it and he just like, like instead hey, of like turning it, He's probably making you know, bird nests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making tumbleweeds, yeah. dude. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty good at it. I'm not going to say that, but he was, you know, he would, he would get a little unsatisfied, back it off, you know. But yeah. uh, I just remember one day he was doing, we're doing like that. He'd got some coils wrapped. I forget how many he had done. And then um, he started putting them together and he was like, here, just do this. And he would show me like, because like I said, prior to that, I'd pretty much been working on like side mount machines, like, like, like a Supreme. Mm-hmm. Where you could put the coils and everything in, then put the bonding posts in later. And right. then I remember him being, you know, his machines were more like almost like a, a lightweight would be where the the bonding post is going to come out the back. Right. So he was like, you know, had me started putting the re- all the rear bonding posts on with the insulator washers and the solder lug. And uh, that was the first step we did. And then we started, then he would let me put the coils in. Then he let me, you know, then it was, then we would strip the you know, enamel off the wire. Then we'd solder, you know, so little by little, every step would, would kind of go through it. So, and it's just, I think he was just, you know, once he trusted me enough, he let me do it. And then who knows, maybe he would have let any neighborhood kid do it just so it was free labor. <laughs> yeah. All right. Way, I mean, like you got to learn some things. Oh know? yeah. So that's cool. You know? And, uh, how was, uh, how did, how would you, how would you say that like transitioned into, uh, learning from Ernie? Well, Ernie, like I was in, I worked for Gene Bernardo for a long time. You know, you know Gene, right? Yep. I don't know him personally, but I mean, I, yeah. I, know, I know him through your stories. Okay. Well, Gene, he had, he had a shop. I worked for him in a couple of different shops and he had a shop in Point Pleasant. And um, well, before that, I had owned a shop in Point Pleasant called Sling and Ink. And then uh, after I had it for about a year, Ernie, up down the, Ernie opened up down the street and we kind of became like not so friendly competitors. You know, like we weren't enemies by any means. We just kind of like he would spy on us and so forth and so on. And then over the years, we just started 
I guess I earned his trust or he just realized I wasn't a complete moron, whatever it is. But then um, we started kind of talking about history and flash and machines. And I think I might've had some Rogers machines by that time that I showed him. And then uh, uh, he started building those, um, the elongated, like what was number six frames that he was doing. Yeah. And um, same kind of thing. He just, I would start going down there on Wednesday mornings and he would, um, he would wrap the coils and he'd give me the frames and I would, you know, put them on the, the, the belt sander and polish them out. And then we'd build, you know, it was cool. So we'd build six machines every Wednesday morning. And uh, that's kind of how that started. And that lasted for about a year, two years doing that every week. Was he doing, it was, a cool. lot of, uh, was he doing a lot of casting back then? He had actually, what had happened was he had had those cast for Paul. Okay. Or with Paul, like in the in like '88, and then Paul had a stroke, so or first stroke, so they ended up not ever doing anything with them. Mm-hmm. Then Ernie had a yeah guideline tattoo with Richie Paparata, and then their partnership fell apart. And though there are just those raw castings were sitting in guideline or wherever Richie had his stuff stored for from early '90s till I think that was it 2000 2001. When they reconnected, they got them all back. So he started getting them. He had, I think his machinist's name, I think, was Derek. I think Derek was was milling them all for him. And then we would just take them, we would shape, you know, take off the excess from there. Yeah. Ernie's son is uh, uh, Paul. Yeah. Is uh, is casting stuff now. Yeah. It's cool. He's doing his stuff all on his own. It's, yeah, it's incredible. He's a Mm -hmm. cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. I like Paul a lot. Yeah, it's like it's cool I'll, to see him doing that, carrying it on. Yeah, know? yeah, that's like I feel like that's the last that's the last thing for me is to do cast. I know Tony has been doing cast for many years, uh, but uh, of course, like I would want to do it exactly like how Paul's doing it, like just do it all by yourself and mm-hmm. you know, try to you know make something out of nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this point, I think like you know for yeah. for me personally, like uh, uh, you you spend a lot of time honing a certain. Uh, like road for yourself or like you know like you know a pathway you know trying to carve something out for yourself and you know sometimes you get so far deep down it and you know it's kind of it's too far to go back and try something else but uh never say never you know like casting is i I wouldn't say it's on the horizon but it would be something cool to do to just you know try to do it you know Mm -hmm. it's just just wake up one morning and decide that you're going to do it and just go full on yeah yeah that's mostly how that's that's how it's all it always starts you know I, I, for myself, I go into hibernation for like months and then, well, you know how I am. And then all of a sudden I'm just ripping them, ripping them out. Yeah. yeah. I go back into hibernation. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Same thing when it comes to developing my skills too. It's just like ebb and flow. You wake up one day and next thing I know you'll be, you'll have a whole gamut of casts running knowing you. Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. 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 So I have a question for you, Mike. <laughs> Sure. You did some work with Ernie um, working on machines. Now, there were some, I can't figure this machine out, and, and it's a water C-frame that yeah. Ernie was doing. I have a bunch of his casts that I personally bought from Ernie before he passed. Mm-hmm. But I had two original ones, one from a guy that I worked with, um, and I started working with him in 1990. And he mm-hmm. got those from Ernie, and they were red, spray painted C frames. Now, 
those frames were they all original Ernie cast or they, did Paul have a hand in those? Because I seen some labeled Paul Rogers floating around years ago. Also, they were Ernie had those made. So, so those Paul, were Paul would build on them, but those okay. were guideline frames. They were guideline frames. Yeah, I, I have one that Paul built uh, for Lenny Weber. It was an old tat uh, guy who tattooed in New Jersey. He used to work for Ernie. Actually, at the time that he got that machine made, he had told me that there was a you kind kind of had like an option through Guideline Supply, where you can kind of buy like a kit, mm -hmm. and then they would you could have, they would send it to Paul, and Paul would build it. Oh, that's good. That's pretty. So cool. I don't know if that was actually how it worked, or if that was just how his way of describing the situ the system to me. You know. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot. A lot. Paul did. I mean, it's funny because Ernie told me that he had those made to make a liner. Yeah. So you know, they were cut back like they that. Cut back. Slot. Yeah, they had the but scoop. They, yeah. But they, he said they just didn't make good liners. They made great shaders. Yeah, I use mine. And as I agree. Shader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Skyver uh, took that off of me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is really cool. Can I borrow it? And that was that. It was gone. It was like 15 years ago. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I got another one off of Mike, but my question was, well, to continue my question, if it's not signed by Paul, then it's just a guideline frame. Paul signed. No, that's it. not true. This is the one I have. Yeah. Is not. There's no indication that it's made by Paul as far as etchings or stampings. Yeah. But if you look at other Paul Rogers machines, you can just tell totally tell. Um, I'm trying to remember how it worked. Ernie told me he used to use. I'm trying to remember how this went. I think Ernie would use clear um, spaghetti. You know, over his insulating wire, but to, you know, and then black. And Paul would use black, black. Okay. Um, and I think Ernie would use black tape on his coils, or Paul would use the prism or or a color yeah. tape. Um, but like the one I have, like, like you know how on the, those uprights you had to run the rubber bands inside. Yeah. Like the one I had, Paul tried to file grooves on the upright so the rubber bands would. You know, like there's this way yeah. you can you know, like see yeah. Yeah, but it, it still didn't. It was way too far forward. Um, and I think you know Paul would would treat his springs a little bit differently too. Like he would kind of file the edges down. Um, I don't know if he was trying to get a little tension out of them or or, or to get them to be a little less, you know, uh, a little softer. Yeah. But uh, what Ernie's would be, they'd be a little more just rough around the edges. You know. Right. Um. Yeah, if you if you know I'd what you're looking very, for, you can see the difference. I'd heard very recently that the reason that you you uh, sand the edges of your springs like nice and smooth. I, I don't know if you know. I'm not a scientist, but this is just this is what a good friend of mine told me. He said it increases the uh, the um, the flow of electricity. Yeah, I heard that's what I've been told too. Yeah, yeah so, you want to get yeah. all the burrs and all that out. Yeah, yeah, smooth. yeah. And I'd never heard that before, mm -hmm. and I never. I never, I honestly never even thought of it. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's proof positive that you like learn new shit all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry, when he cut his springs on Jerry Rieger, he cut them and round all the edges. And he said, and he sat there with different machines with me and he said, listen, real close. And then he would take another machine that he took all the like shouldered all the springs and you could hear the difference in the tone, like the metal. And it, yeah, it does mess with the structure, the tensions, you know, different widths, mm -hmm. thicknesses. 
but he said that, that that's how he tuned his machines to get them to sound so smooth to yeah. knock those edges off. And he never mentioned the, the, the electrical aspect of it. That makes sense, though. So there's no interruption in flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's just, you know, carrying through smoothly, I guess. You know, I mean, it's weird that it would make that much of a difference, but I guess it does, you know. And I, I mean, because I don't think I like, I don't think like the stuff, I, I mean, there, there's, there's definitely some rough edges and stuff, but I, I, I never purposely made them so that like you would if you touched it you could cut your finger open on it but like yeah. you know like i you know but now i take extra special care to sand it yeah so, well that's the reason why i started cleaning them up and so you know i call them glove poppers yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah i had those old uh i had an old national eagle with these big ass bulky springs man it would just if you catch it the right way it would knuckle you <laughs> pop that glove right open those weird springs that they put on there, the, the ones that came stock, where they kind yeah. of put it on almost like backwards. Yeah, they're all janky and square. Yeah. 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 They used to tear me up. <laughs> <laughs> I never got, I never got the, pro, the the mentality behind those springs, but yeah. That's, that's I, I think they used to say that Bob Shaw came up with those springs. Yeah. And then Bobby Shaw told me that he never, he never saw his dad use those machines, those springs ever. So. That's probably before they invented round corners, I guess. <laughs> There's no no round more arm, but I'll take it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> round corners. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the cool thing, like with working on like tuning machines with with Tony, like his his frames were he had two different uprights, which one he ended up just stopped making. Like one was a straight upright, and one it kind of went and it kicked out. And the straight one was the same geometry as uh, Jonesy square back. And then the kicked out one was a round back. And the way he would kind of tune his machines was kind of how like him and Blackie would, would run their machines. Um, Tony would run a really heavy power supply, um, but he also ran really heavy. Like his needle bars were probably twice the thicknesses of ours. So it kind of smoothed everything out. Where I would, I bought a power supply from, and I plug my machines into the shop, and I was like, I couldn't even at the lowest, the lowest voltage, I couldn't even run my machines to tattoo really? with. Huh. Um, but with his needle bars, uh, they just ran real perfect. You know, like real that much weight must have really brought it back down. Um, and the machines that I did with Ernie, like the cool thing with those is like he he had bought uh, a original Coleman machine like right around that same time. So he kind of based the, the the armature bar length and the spring length on that shader, and then we combined the the fifty fifty sprag capacitor with the tungsten rod contact screw that Sailor Eddie would use, like Sailor Eddie Senior. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a cool like mixture of like the Coleman style meets Sailor Eddie style plus Paul, you know, which of course is Coleman style as well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of really really kind of cool to be able to to work with that kind of those two different styles of machine setting, you know, now, do you guys, do you guys do uh, rolled front springs or more like a, a kink or bend? I roll. Yeah. Yeah. I roll. Um, I, I, I have this little system for rolling rear springs, but uh, front mm -hmm. springs, I always bend. Okay. Like, yeah. so you put more like a, an angle, like you had a pinch point angle. Like kind of more like that. Sorry, my drawing on a paper. Or do you go more no, roll? I, 
I, like I usually go, I, 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 I roll the rear spring here. You can see. Um, yeah, it's nothing you can see. But uh, I, I, I have this way of doing it. It's weird. It's like I use like a, a these like clamps. Shit, I wish I had it like close by. But uh, you ever get like a like if you're, you're like you know like a laundry uh, uh, exhaust duct, and those yeah. like those clamps that you use, you, you screw them, they're like a flathead screwdriver, you screw them yeah. down and all that stuff. They're like, you know, it's like flat piece of metal. Mm -hmm. Well, I have like a, a round piece of pipe and I take, I take the flat piece of metal and put it, you know, I put, the, you know, the flat, uh, the spring inside that and I clamp it down. So it clamps tight around the one inch pipe. And then I feel like that is like a perfect bend like it's like so you don't have to it, there's it's always consistent you don't have to use your thumb or anything mm -hmm. and uh by just like you know it because i guess you could get like a roller like a you know a bench roller or something like that but it, mm -hmm. i don't have room for it so i like kind of figured out this little way to use one of those little clamps i forgot what the clamps are called but they they you know they can go around like you know air ducts or like you know, what are they called aren't they hose clamps yeah i guess yeah that would be a hose clamp exactly Anyway, yeah, I know what you're saying. Though. Yeah. So you put that in between, you know, you put the 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 flat piece of metal, uh, excuse me, the the, flat, the the spring stock in there and then screw it down. And it makes like a perfect uh, little C, you know, Pretty genius. Yeah. And then after that, uh, then, you know, because like I, I leave a little tab on the front and then, you know, I just bend that tab up. So uh, when you you know, do your, your, uh, your A-bar assembly. There's a little tab flipped up like a kicktail, you know, on a skateboard. Mm -hmm. So when you put your, your, your front spring on, screw it down. Uh, it's already kicked up. Oh yeah. It gives it the tension underneath. Yeah. It gives it, well, yeah, because like, you know, like I always use, yeah, it goes I mean, like this. you know, like I, I use 15 thousandths for my rear. I use 20 for fronts. Almost religiously, because like it, you know, you put a lot of tension on that rear, but at the same time, it's so thin that it like works freely. You know, like if I feel like uh, I don't really like to put anything heavier, because uh, it makes it makes the coils work more, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And I like everything to run around, you know, five to six volts, uh, whether it's a liner or a shader or whatever. I don't like anything to go over like five eight. You know, everything like is real you know, low voltage. Uh, and the other thing too, is like, it reinforces that, that front spring. So that like, you know, not only are you getting 20, but it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's got all this tension here, but it has a lot of flex at the top. So you get like mm -hmm. extra punch. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's something I've been doing for a long time. I really, I don't, I mean, I, I try to do other stuff and this works the way it works better for me to do it this way. And the other thing too, I don't know, if, I don't know if I can show it to you, but, uh, there's like, Another little little thing that's fun is, you know, I got a, uh, you can see right here, these mm -hmm. like little, you can see these like little, you know, how it's like extra long here. Mm -hmm. What I do is like, I, I, I always like, I always crimp this down. So it's like, you see these little bends yeah, at the bottom? Mm -hmm. yeah. I do that so it like, it, uh, so it puts extra tension against the A-bar because of that bend and how crazy the bend is, it'll put extra tension against the A-bar to hold it flat so that it's hitting true every time. 
you know, so it's like you get closer and closer to hitting true with a teeny tiny little gap in the rear, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, to me, like, I don't know, like I spent a lot of times fucking machines up. So like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I got it to the point yes. where like, Oh, these are, these are great. I don't have to fuck with them too much before, you know, I, I send them out when people buy them, you know? Uh, and I could be, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if anybody has any corrections or any other tips, then please let me know. Um, you know, totally open to hearing them but like that's how i do it uh mm-hmm. i don't know how we got off on like springs but like i think you can probably mention any little thing about tattoo machines and i'll just like lose my mind about it so that's how i do it yeah he asked you if you rolled or crimped yeah, I yeah I roll yo there it goes. there's the answer <laughs> I, roll, I roll and crimp sort of i rolls and a crimp it's like it's like it's, it's, you know like you know like i used to do like the uh i used to like just straight bend them right off the the spring yeah. shelf but uh, that always start. I think you know it puts too much tension in it. Like, uh, and when you put too much bend in that one spot, it makes it susceptible to breaking. So especially yeah. if you use like a really light, you know, uh, uh, spring thickness. You know, I think like you know for the past maybe two three years, I've been using 15. But before that, it was 16. And I you know just learned that by buying a bunch of spring stock. You know, you mm-hmm. buy a bunch of stuff, you try different stuff. You know, it's the same thing with uh with making coils. I've I've you know I've bought really really thick wire just to see what would happen, really really thin wire just to see what would happen. And, you know, it comes back that 24 is the best for me, and mm-hmm. it's like you know so. But I had to make those experiments to see what was what. You know, I think it's important for people to do that stuff. I mean, you know, like, I mean, is there is there any any anything that you've done experimentation wise to like it? you know machines to sound or perform a certain way mike i mean like me personally i like the the single like the kinked front spring um i just feel like when i try to roll them maybe it's just i'm not that good at it but i'd always find that i'd get almost like too many mini fulcrums and i would get too much imperfection yes and, and yeah. i always felt too that like with the i like my machines to be really deliberate like one shot one kill kind of you know what i mean like just street like, shop you know, like w- one yeah. pass you know what i mean I um of course and whenever i would do that it would always be like a little like chatter or something in it um uh but i personally like i use you know 18 straight on a shader and then tw- 18 and 20 on a liner mm-hmm. but uh i i a lot of, like my personal machines will run at 12 13 14 volts Ooh. um but if I'm trying to like, because I use a lot of tension on my personal machines, um, but that's just kind of how, like I said, like the people who I, who taught me to tattoo, that's how they worked. Um, right. And I used to be really afraid of all that. I used to not. I always treated uh, Steve Delgado was one of the person. Uh, you guys know, you know who Steve is, God, Brooklyn yeah. tattooer. Like he he came to visit me years ago when um, before I it was like early, I guess around 2005 ish. And he brought a bunch of machines down for me to look at, like some different machines. And then he had a set of machines that Tony Polito had set up for him. And they were national swing gates with, you know, 20 gauge springs, no capacitors, and a lot of tension. And he set them up running at 16 volts. And just, and I'm like, they, they, they were terrifying to listen to and feel the armature bar. And he's like, try tattooing with them. And it was just like, that was the easiest tattooing I'd ever done. Like butter. You know? So, and the people who I tattooed were I actually used them on were collect like tattoo collectors, and they're like, this that didn't hurt. 
you know, so you figure like something like that, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to beat the hell out of somebody. But it was like smooth tattooing with ease, you know? So it kind of like, I try to, for my own stuff, I try to get like a mix between like, you know, I don't want it to be, you know, burning my hand or anything like that, but I'm not afraid of like a, a voltage, you know? Right. You know, but, um, you know, like what, 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 what Greg was talking about by putting a little lip underneath the front spring, like bending it up a little bit to give it a kick, a little more, a little more, uh, uh, stiffness, you know, at that point I've tried that. Um, it didn't really work for me. Um, but I mean, I've seen like, you know, I think was it, uh, is it Lucky's that sells springs like that? Like, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I know Aaron and Seth were doing that a while. That's ago. it. Yeah. Aaron, I, you know, I tried to set it on it. Maybe it's because it was like a, maybe a little bit softer tension, you know, like a tensile strength of a spring. They seem to work really well. So, but it was just that also with that though, it was a, it was a flat front spring. So I guess the, uh, that little bend gave the spring its kick, you know? Right. Yeah. This is a, I don't, I don't know if this is a perfect example, but I had some old springs laying around and I just wanted to show you if I could show, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, kicked up a little you know right there and uh you can i don't know if this is going to turn into a how-to thing but i mean why not i mean it's just so i can illustrate yeah, exactly yeah. what i'm talking about you know so you got the hose clamp thing a little piece of pipe actually i cut this off my wife's seat post <laughs> on her bike and i was like oh perfect you know so repurposing you know so you without trying to like cut your fingers off, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, not like we're not like anybody's any stranger to getting injured while making tattoo machines. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, you know, it works, it works really well if you have, um, if you have a drill, you know, handy to do it. Sorry, I'm trying to get this in here real quick. I just remember Mike saying this was genius, but this seems like the giant is a pain in the ass right now. <laughs> but I swear it'll be worth it if I can get it in there. All right. The consistency All right. there, though, that's what's great. Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, you got your, you know, your yeah, spring, yeah. Yeah, cool. like in there, you know, once it's in there and you just start kind of cranking down. Again, slotted hardware, mega pain in the ass. I have an old house and the guy that like, you know, used to live in my house before he died. He, I swear he, everything you could put, you slotted hardware in, he used it in. <laughs> it's the biggest pain in the ass to get out. But, uh, you crank it down, crank it down, crank it down. You know, and like I said, this is like, you know, it's, it's no replacement for like a, a bench roller. Like that'd be, ultimate awesome to have but they're expensive as hell and they take up a lot of space just for springs so but yeah like you know it's on there you know i don't know if you leave it on there for long or whatever i guess you don't really have to but then you undo it after you bend it and get it out hopefully you know it's like more consistent you know nice mm -hmm. you know and that helps too. And I don't know what you guys do. Uh, I, I'd like to get your opinion on it. Um, but uh, 
do you guys use a, a degree, like a two degree uh, angle in your spring shelf? I use a one. One. I just started with a two. I was always one for going flat. Okay. Yeah, one. I, 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 I'm stuck at zero. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I, I I made machines that that had uh, two degree uh, 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 angle and stuff, and uh, I just like for whatever reason, it, it kind of sketched me out that like it, it like I couldn't get it to hit as flat, and uh, then yeah, I just went back coil the I've deflection been, off the front coil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's been zero for many years, but I've been thinking about going back into, you know, maybe doing that technique again uh but the one one percent sound or excuse me uh one degree sounds you know like it might work it's like right in the middle you know yeah it might i've been <laughs> i mean it like it might, it might work for me work. is what i'm saying like, it, like i've been doing that a long time it might work no no i mean i mean it might work for me i didn't mean oh my <laughs> yeah i was always was like oh, sorry i forgot <laughs> sorry i forgot you existed before i did uh Tony. sorry about that bud <laughs> Yeah, I was always taught to, you know, and how I learned to tune machines was off of a flat 90 degree angle spring right. shelf. Right. So when I first started messing with, like, I think I might have bought, I think maybe some Spalding frames that had it. And all of a sudden I was like, man, there's so much tension on these things. And I actually looked at them and I was like, oh, wait, there's a little bit of an angle here. Yeah. You know, and then um, I had, um, like Jimmy down at Lucky's had made me some frames, like kind of like Black Widow style frames, uh, a few quite a few years ago. And I was I said I wanted them flat. He was like, oh, you should try the degree angle because I guess they they put a I think a heavier degree uh, angle on theirs. Um, but we met in the middle at two. And after mm -hmm. building those 50, 60 frames, whatever it was, I had hundred frames I think total. Um, it made sense to me after that, you know. Yeah, I think it's funny that you, you don't consider yourself a machine builder, but you make a hundred, you know, you'll make a hundred machines at a time. Yeah, but that took that took oh. me a couple of years to do. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you're doing something like, consistently and you're getting, you know, like every every machine is like, you know, you're getting better and better and better and better. So it's like, yeah, dude, like, you know, to me, it's like it's like that that counts for something, you know. Well, you know, you're you're like way too humble is what I'm I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. So there's I, a lot, I mean there's there's the exact opposite a lot of the time. So you know like when I had the frames that I had Spalding make for me, those I did with a 90 degree angle again. Okay. You know, and then the last one, I actually just had some frames made, um kind of like a dial style machine. Um, those have a two degree on them. Oh, okay. Is there any reason why you, you stuck with the, the zero instead of uh, going degreed and then, you know, you know why you, you went back with the two again? I think it's well, – I, I think it's just a matter of mood sometimes. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I'm one of those – like, when I get machines from people, like I was saying before, like kind of like a learning, learning process. Mm -hmm. And I think when I had those made, I was working on older – so, uh, some lightweights I had, like some older frames I'd gotten from some friends from the seventies and they were all 90 degrees. And they were that, that's what kind of inspired me to do them was they're the older Spalding frames were much thicker yeah, and a better, a little bit better of an, of a better metal in my opinion. Okay. And they uh, working. I think I had like maybe eight or 10 of them and I'm uh, working and I was like, I want, I want to actually went up and visited them. Uh, it was, it, three or four years ago for my birthday 
I went okay. up to upstate New York and went there and I was like talking to one of the guys, the, the owner, like Huck's grandson and said, I was talking about getting a, a runner frames made and he had me put me in touch with their machinist. And then we talked about doing welded steel. Okay. So that's what they ended up doing for me. And I, at that point he was just like, you know what, this, I want to do them flat, you know, but I just feel like if I'm going to, honestly, I think when it gets into like, I don't want to say production because I don't, that's not how I want to do things. But when I'm doing a more like a run of machines, I think this time I just want to have them like the ones I had Spalding do, they were coming like 20 at a time. Yeah. Um, and they would take, honestly, because it's like they're a busy company. They, I'm, I'm, they're not, I'm not top priority. So I get 10 frames here, 10 frames there. Yeah. Um, but when I, I just had like 50 frames made for me and I hope to keep that ball rolling. So it's a little more, when it's a little more, I want to say production because I'm going to keep making the same machine over and over again. Yeah. They're all going to run, of course, a little bit different. We know how that goes. But right. I think the two degree angle helps me with that. Yeah. Now, do you, do you put a lot of, do you, now we were talking about spring tension and stuff, but do you put a lot of tension on that, that spring, even though it's. No, uh, not with that angle. I wouldn't have to put as much on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's but, part of it too, is because like I said, for myself, like if I set up a machine and it runs at 10 volts and as long as it's not cooking my hand, I'm okay with that. Right. You know, um, right. and usually when I'll sell, when I sell machines, I'll tell people, don't feel, don't fear your rheostat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have, yeah, like, if you get it, you can turn it, you can turn a machine up and turn it down or if you can, mm-hmm. and it's a completely different machine, you know, that's cool. Right. As long as it sounds consistent and it puts, you know, ink in the, you know, like you, you get a shader, you turn it up. It's, it's a nice whip shader, color packer, and you turn it down. It can be a really nice soft, mm-hmm. uh, black and gray machine like i think there's there's something to something to be said about versatility in uh building your machines and stuff uh yeah and uh of course all my animals want to come over here now right that's okay (laughs) um yeah and i think that's another thing too like when a machine can kind of have doesn't necessarily have to have a sweet spot you know it might have a sweet spot for one you know one person might like you know the seven and a half volt and the other person might like the 10 volt you know but like it can run consistently you know, as you turn your, your rheostat up and down, I think that's, I, I'd like to try to do that with when, when I'm working on things as well. Yeah. And uh, that's why we're talking about sound. Um, I'm trying to get myself beyond being hung, hung up on sound, like how a machine sounds. Yeah. Um, like I have a couple of machines that some friends have made for me, like Sailor Eddie Jr. made me a machine, gave it to me for my 30th. And it, like, it kind of sounds like shit. Yeah. But it's probably one of the best liners I've ever used, you know? Yeah. And it's just a matter of like, it's not what, it, you know, I've, and I've probably done that to other people, like having machines and it was like, God, I think it sounds terrible, but you look, you know, feels great. You know, I like um, it when my shit just sounds like a weed whacker thrown into a wood chipper. I don't fucking <laughs> yeah. care. You know, like, I don't care. Like I've, I've been over that sound thing for a while. I mean, if, if it sounds like a tattoo machine, awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we the all know what it good. sounds like. Like, yeah. you know, like that, that sound is the very essence of a tattoo, uh, tattoo shop in my yeah. opinion. But like, I've tried, uh, you know, it's, I like they, use... they can't sound fluttery and they can't like, you know what I mean? Like when they, when they sound, you, you know, when a tattoo machine, machine sounds fucking bad, you know, like, you know, that's yeah, chattery, choppy, yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah. Choppy, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, that like, it just, it can sound loud and super obnoxious, but like, it has to be consistent. <laughs> you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those those are like that those are the not the rules but the guidelines you know i think you know, i've tried man. messing with like rotaries and and you know like stuff like that it's like 
there's like that uncomfortable un- uncomfortable silence yeah <laughs> when i'm working i'm like i miss that kind of that, that sound weird. of the machine i think they're you know? cool i mean all, i think all that stuff is cool but like it's not i don't know man like i i've tried to build i've like never finished one i always just start a bunch of parts and then <laughs> yeah. i just like lose interest i'm like these are cool but like they're not they're cool I don't know. I just, yeah. I'm just like, you know, like I'm, I don't know. I'm get, I get too fixated on like, you know, trying to continue working on um, coil machines to, you know, mess with rotaries. But one day, I mean, who knows? I'm, I might do them. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. It's just like, I, I like, I mean, I, I can tattoo with them. I don't, I don't use them on the regular. Yeah. I think they're a good, they're a good tool. I'm not bagging on them. I just, yeah. I, I don't know how to fix them. I don't know how to work on them. You know, yeah, I yeah. can't, you know, if I get a, a machine from somebody and you know, like Greg here, and I don't like it, I can take it right apart in front of them and then change it. But I can't do that with the rotary. Yeah, like I gotta tell you, that was like amazing. <laughs> it was amazing because like no one, no one, for one, no one has ever done that, and for two, I was like, what does he see that I don't see? You know, like let me, I want to pay attention to like Process, what's yeah. going on. You mm-hmm. know, like like right away, he was like, you know, you like. Meh. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then you just started taking the A bar apart and stuff. And I'm like, all right. That's how it's done, man. Like, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't take any offense to it. I thought it was cool, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like, that's just, I like to be able to, and like a lot of times I'll just sit like, like I was work, I was breaking in a liner the other day and we have a newer shop person and she was like, what are you doing? Like, because I was running a machine for a couple hours, just sitting there holding it and, yeah, you know, cleaning the contact points after it started getting a little dirty because I don't think it had a, I don't think I put a capacitor on that one. Yeah. Um, that's what I think. So I'll, I'll, I'll run machines with no capacitors a lot of times too. Like I just really, Tell yeah. More about that. Um, well, like I was saying, when I got those, I mean, I've, I've, my first set of machines didn't have contact points or contact uh, capacitors. I'm sorry, right. but like the machines that I got that were that were lent to me that were that were set up by Tony, like he'd had no capacitors, no points. And what he would do is he would just burn through his spring, you know, and they would call it chasing the spring. He would just keep angling it back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I started running like that a little bit and realizing that I kind of liked it better. I mean, I would use points because I got sick of changing my springs all the time. But uh, I never really I had to me. I was like, it just felt like it had more follow through. Right. I didn't quite understand why. But then I was talking to Richie Montgomery about it. I was like, I really just like this. For some reason, I like running these more. And if you you know you've probably run machines without capa- without capacitors before, right? Me? No. Yeah. Never. You ever? Never <laughs> even ran. That's not necessarily tattooed with it, but you that's... ever run a machine like it? Yeah. You see that green oh, no, spark? Like I've, I've, yeah. I've, yeah, I've run them. I've never like tattooed with them though. Well, yeah, I, you know, you think, and Richie pointed out to me that that green spark, you know, the, the circuit breaks. There's no power. You know, like there's no. But when you have that spark, the power's still there. Yeah. So as as that armature bar is coming down, that spark's pushing it all the way. So it's so it's not as soon as that circuit breaks, it wants to push it back up. Right. That little bit of extra power is keeping that force down. So it keeps right. that it's got a little more follow through and more drive. Um, that's why I, I mean, in theory, that's why I like no you know no no capacitors. So do you use you don't use a capacitor, but will you put a silver point on the front of your spring? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'll, I'll, I mean, if I want to change springs all the time or burn through them, yeah, they kind of run a little bit more consistent without the point. Yeah, but you're gonna run through a spring in a matter of a couple of days, yeah. you know. Yeah. Huh. But like, you know, like when I'm, 
I, I, I go back and forth. I like machines with or without them. I'm not going to say it's like my favorite, but. Sure. Um, I mean, to me, that's old school, man. That is definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, I try to like every time I try to like, you know, if somebody teaches me something, I try to absorb as much as I can from it. You know, right. like, like a few years ago, I went upstate and um, my friend Jim Party, the guy who taught him how to tattoo, learned from Huck's son, Jay. And Jay Spaulding, they always said that he was he was like a little mini Huck and he never changed. He never deviated like. He never like he whether he did as far as like tech machine setup and it was always kind of what he considered to be Coleman style. Um, they modernized it over time with like O rings and stuff like that, but like he showed us how to set up machines that way. So I went through a period of time. I'm, I'm gonna like I want to really practice that setup. And then like the thing is that Sailor Eddie Jr. has taught me. I try to set up things that way. Right. You know what the pirate what Ernie like try to like absorb as much as I can in those setups, you know? And just like when I got those machines that were set up by, by, by Polito, I tried to mimic as much as I could. Like, you know, as soon as I got, you know, I did a few tattoos of them. I hit up national, bought, you know, swing gates with 10 wrap coils, yanked mm -hmm. the capacitor off, bought the old style springs, 20 gauge. and just put a shit ton of tension on them. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, I try to absorb as much as those. And then like what happens is over time is little pieces of those, different setups all work into like my own set way of setting up a machine right. right and then another person too is like somebody like scott sterling who i think is you know i, I consider him a dear friend and he's also one of the most knowledgeable machine builders i've ever met yeah, absolutely. um and like things he shows me you know yeah. like yeah. and I, he's, a, he's a person that i respect because like you look at what uh, scott's old machines you know from the 90s you know they're three quarter inch springs a lot of bend, you know, a good amount of tension, 10 wrap coils. Now you look at this stuff now, it's like he's he's adapted and learned. He's he's continually learning. Yeah. And it's not just like what he learned to, to do in 1982 is how he does it to his dying day. You know, yeah, God forbid. Yeah. You, you know, real and I, Rich, it's real, real easy to just get stuck in what you're doing because it works. And this Right, is, right. Uh, which, uh, I mean, if it's working, not for nothing. Yeah. Doing, there's some aspects like, of Scott's, have, Scott's old any, machines that you know, there's some you things know. about Scott's old machines I like better you know what I mean like for my own personal taste but I love his new machines as well you know hey man, Picasso had a blue period what mm -hmm. are you gonna do like you know what I mean the dude like painted blue paintings for like how many years mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean like sometimes you go through shit like <laughs> I, I went through a phase where I did nothing but shorty machines for two years right. you know like and that's Smoke that stacks and like, yeah. mm -hmm. like I wasn't done with that phase. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm like I'm having a lot of fun making shorty machines. I'm mm -hmm. gonna only make these. Like there was a time where you know, you know, I only made side plates that were pieced together, like three or two or three pieces, and I would mm -hmm. make a jig and you know cut these specific little things and then you know weld every little piece together. Because yeah, I remember those when you were making them like that. I was like, why did you do it like? because <laughs> yeah, it was what? just like cause no one else was doing it and it was fun uh -huh. i was uh -huh. having fun i could care less like it doesn't yeah, i could tell it was like you had like a, an idea and a project in your mind you're doing it. you know that's awesome yeah 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 i just think like you know it, it was it was what worked at the time you know mm -hmm. to like I, I didn't have the i didn't have the ability to to make a an arc or a curve with a mill you know like and oh, to, okay and to make things like you know try to make things like consistently like I, like you know consistency is key obviously you know so i would you know try to cut like multiple parts and i would mill them all one at a time 
but I would make these fixtures. There was like two fixtures, three fixtures to make like one side plate. So I would go through, you know, this whole thing of cutting each piece to certain specifications and then making a jig that put all the pieces together. And it was really fun. And like tattoo mm. machine building became fun, you know, cause I was yeah, yeah. doing like the laser cut thing and that was cool. But like, you know, a lot of people were doing it. I wanted to do something people weren't doing. Right. Like nobody, why the fuck would anybody do it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, yeah, like you, you know, you're, what, you're looking at, you're looking at it like, yeah, why is he doing it that way? I don't know. Cause yeah, it was, what you were just talking about triggered a memory of like when Ernie, before Ernie and I started working on those, uh, those like elongated number six frames, um he had like i said he just got that coleman machine which you've probably seen like it's the one that was like a v-frame with all the holes kind of had like mm -hmm. a serrated edge yep. yeah. um him and i were gonna make a bunch of those not a bunch maybe like 20 of them you know hand cut sides weld them together braze them together and I remember we we it took us like 10 to 15 hours to make a frame you know, yeah. yeah. And we're just like, we, he has one or he had one and I have one. That's how I did. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to do this. This takes, what are we going to sell him for? A thousand dollars, you know, too much time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it I, I I on a drill press. <laughs> Welcome to my life. I like, do. Yeah. Yeah, the best thing ever happened to to curved shapes for me is I got a, uh, I got a 15 inch uh, Bridgeport uh, rotary table. And I mm -hmm. stuck it on my shitty like central machinery mill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. now, like, you know, if you can do the math, you can like you can make, you know, curves and cuts and stuff. And I don't have to piece side plates together anymore. I can make a you know, something that looks like a supreme or you know, mm -hmm. make something that looks like a waters. Like you can you can make these different shapes and they're you know, it's a it's a lot, it's a lot more streamlined now. But I mean, like it's all like, you know, what going through, like you said, like, you know, maybe there's some stuff in Scott's machines that, you know, you know, from a long time ago that you would, you would like better than what he's doing now, but this is where he's at, you know, and that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. this is where you're at. Like, you know, uh, and there's no, there's no rule again, you know, against like rehashing what you did or like redoing what you did and making it kind of, no, no, because yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, it's like, like anything else in life. Like there's. You know, like a, even with music, you know, there's certain bands that I'm going to like one era, you're going to like another era, and the band's yeah. going to like a completely different era. Then, and it's it doesn't make any of it less quality. I mean, it could be, but like for the most part, it's just a matter of what what gets you or what works for you. Yeah, um, man. I mean, like Impossibles and Pressure Flips were real sick during the '90s and shit. But like, you know, that shit died out. Were they? But then it comes back. <laughs> Now people are doing like impossibles again and people are doing like pressure flips again. Like, mm -hmm. you know, but they're doing it down like 10 to, you know, 15. Oh yeah. 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 Christ. You know, it's all the same shit. It all comes back around, you know, so I guess what I, I guess what I was alluding to is like, everybody has their bag of tricks, yeah. you know, like, you know, like taking a machine and taking a side and, you know, stitching all these parts together or laser cutting stuff or getting it fully CNC'd zero degree uh spring deck one degree two degree however many mm -hmm. degrees like you know you you learn how to build them all sorts of different ways and uh you know eventually you know you get bored of something you come you can dig you know dig back into your bag of tricks mm -hmm. you know? it's an art pressure flip now. It's, it's like art man when your knee gets fixed up i want to see a pressure flip mike yeah right <laughs> You see a backside carve out of me, and that's the most you're going to see. Maybe front side. Fair enough. 
Maybe frontside. <laughs> I, ate shit, I ate shit going frontside at uh at uh Grace Ferry a couple uh a couple like a month ago, and like I can't I still can't feel my right ass ass cheek anymore. <laughs> like I what a, am I doing? I do a perfect frontside fall down, go to the hospital. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, what's what's up with the what is what's the stuff you're building on now? You have uh some you really wrestled. Hey, Lauren, can you bring up that picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like really yeah, fucking beautiful machines. Well, there, there's J.G. Russell's from, he he worked on the north side of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. People would come visit him. And and I saw the picture in, in uh, Mike's Do you have one? Do you have one to show, Mike? Oh, yeah. I do not. Um, amazing. I think I, have, I think I might have a frame somewhere here. These ones but, here? Yeah, those... Um, these are the last ones I did with Spalding. Um, they're based on this machine that I own, um, which is a, a Russell, um, a modify um, that, in my opinion, um, was worked on by Coleman and Paul. Okay. Um, you can see, like, the, the if I can get it in there, the armature bar set up, like how it's way right in the back of that coil, like that. Like, that was something yeah. that. You know, um, but anyway, that's where I kind of based it off of. Um, I got did twenty of those all together. Oh wow! Um, and then it just honestly, they it took about a year to get the frames done. And I, it, I know they're really busy, and I'm that's I'm not I'm not saying anything. But I can't. I need to get a little bit further than just a twenty machines a year. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It, not necessarily yeah, just for my own personal satisfaction. You know, I it's those were all built. I got them. I was trying to get them ready for the uh, Hudson Valley convention last year, right? Or not last year, right before COVID. Um, and then COVID hit, and that is that was what I did for the couple months that you know we were we were locked down. Yeah. Um, and now they're yeah. gone. You know, what I mean? yeah, so I guess I have one. I have one left that I got. I've been have been procrastinating out a bill for my friend Patrick. And um, I like to do them again. I really enjoyed working on those. Um, they're a little bit shorter of a geometry as far as spring setup than I normally use. Um, and they're, they're made for a little longer throw of a liner than I than I typically set up. But I'm kind of like like I used to pretty much like only like you using like a, a, a zippy like like a true Rollomatic with a very short short stroke, very like fast a, liner. Like a dime gap. Yeah. Yeah, um, and these, I, I, I'm getting older. I just don't like that setup anymore, you know. Um, and plus, now I'm using larger liners. You know, I used to only use fours and fives and sevens, you know, more on the tight side. Um, yeah. Now that I'm not making my own needles, I'm using big, like bigger groupings, and that zippy liner doesn't want to work with that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah those speed bars don't work for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. I could see so that's like, like it's a fun heavy hitting liner the way the geometry is on it with the big gap mm-hmm. from the spring to the A bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I'm more of a, I like a lot more. I used to, again, I used to like a really light, like tight gap in the back. Yeah. But uh, for liners and shaders, but now I'm kind of liking them liners to be a little more, use more spring to it, not just the the weight, you know? Yeah. I a little more versatile. Percent. I line with a shader, a coil shader half the time from large. It's groups. funny because I, when I, the first Rogers machine I ever got was from, like I was mentioning earlier, Lenny Weber. Um, 
it was a water's number six. And when he, when I went and picked it up, I'm like, this is a shader, right? And he's like, well, I use it as a liner, but you can shade with it. And I use it as a shader because I had a good liner. So I, I always kind of say that I learned to shade with a liner. So a lot of times my, when I build a shader, it runs kind of fast. Tim Hendricks. You know, faster. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people that I've talked to through the years like a zippy shader for black and gray. Mm-hmm. Whereas I used to build them as soon as it hits the skin, it dies out. Right. That, I mean, I used to. and Things are a lot different now. But I thought there was just one specific way to build. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize, you know, you, you, everybody tattoos differently. So everybody likes things differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to I run got- like a... I used to tattoo with Kaplan machines for a while. And um, they I think I had so burn. <laughs> and I, don't get me wrong, I like I still tattoo with some Kaplan machines. Um that's like that's kind of like how a Zeke Owen method of, of tuning, you know, like with the real wide, you know, really crispy springs. Like he would use a a twenty thousand three quarter inch wide spring. You know, yeah. like actually I have like this is one of Zeke's liners, you know, and he I don't know if you can see that back spring. To get it oh from, yeah you know yeah. on the front so like so like it's very like very deliberate East coast yeah that's a kaplan yeah yeah that's the same one i started with the first machine mm-hmm. i ever had i think and i used to use i used this is the liner frame and i would do the same i would make shader out of these because they're so bulky but yeah. that when i first would set them up i would do that they would they would hit the skin and just die you know, like it would just go, it would bog down, you know, so we have a really long throw, but then when it would, it would just, you know, shorten up when you hit the skin. I could not tattoo with that setup now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Mike, are you a, are you a, a an O-ring guy? I go back and forth. I am kind of an O-ring guy. Yeah. Okay. Tension or noise? Uh, tension. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of both, but more for tension. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. So what do you got on the agenda this year? Are you doing any traveling? You doing any shows? Uh, at this point, I don't have no agenda for that. I'm going to go down to um, my friend Nick has Alley Cat Tattoo in uh, down in Virginia. He's having his 20th anniversary party in September. I'm going to go down to that. Um, Shout out to No Lies Just Bullshit. Yeah, man. No Lies Just Bullshit. And then if um, all the time, <laughs> if 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 it's 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 my anniversary weekend, but there's the Tattoo Archive is doing the historical gathering. Oh, right in on. October, if I can, if I can work that out, I'd like to go to that. But like I said, it is my anniversary weekend, so I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, but I have really no plans to. I really, it's funny because right, right prior to COVID, I, I would say to my wife, I would want to travel more and, and, and go to different places and, and, and tattoo. And I actually went to Absolute, worked down there with those guys for a weekend. Actually, it was during the week, but uh, then I came home, and a few months later, a few weeks later, we were locked down. So. That kind of screwed up my 2020 travel plans, but we'll see. You know, is that when that's say, when you recorded uh, with Nick? Yes, uh huh. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, we tried to get that together for a couple of years, and it just, just didn't work out. We finally got it done. What what is this he's talking about? Uh, Nick Nick Schwartz he has a a podcast called No Lies Just Bullshit. Oh, and, okay. Uh, it's a uh, it's pretty decent. <laughs> if not yeah, like, i don't know how he keeps up with really, really one good. a week yeah he's like, he's crazy like one a month is like holy shit like and they're know, long comes up together, on like, dude, like, one a month, <laughs> yeah. and it's a lot of you know a lot of nervous anxiety 
once you get rolling, mm-hmm. it's like it's cool, but like you know, it's it's I, I can't see how people do it like once a week. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, how. and it's like most of his podcasts are at least at least an hour or two hours long. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're super long. Oh, you know how many machines I built listening to that guy? Uh-huh. Like, like you know, uh, I would I think last year, I uh the first time I listened to yours, I was I was printing T-shirts. I was like, okay. in my, I have like a little like my house is like over under uh, uh duplex. And I was up in the upstairs apartment and I have a little uh, screen printing set up and I was printing t-shirts, listening to your podcast. <laughs> I was like, you know, cause there's nothing else to do. Like, you know, you're mm-hmm. like locked down. There's nothing to do. So I was like, you know, upstairs making yeah. shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast blew up during lockdown. Now it's yeah. like warm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I watch sure. one every day. I, I stream it. I mess around with the stock market and there's a kid, he's like 26. He streams from pre-market to close. Like that's wow. all day. That's a full time job, dude. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. Five yeah. days a week. It absolutely, it's a full time job. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I guess that's the way you know, like, you know, like life is a full time job. Damn, but like, you know, add a podcast to that every week. Yeah, mm-hmm. have one every month, and you're like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to get one together every, you know, consistently every four weeks, but you know, stuff gets yeah. Out. A lot of movies. We do parts. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we got we got Mike. That was like that was like the first thing. I was like, you know, in my mind, I was like, we got to get somebody on here that knows their shit. And uh, and Mike has certainly like you know come through for for us with some uh, amazing insight and stories and stuff. Yeah, I like hearing about the different people you worked with, Mike. I'm jealous for sure because yeah, I got lucky. I got very lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot of time with Jerry Rieger, Mike Skyver. Mike's oh, yeah, more, look at that. Mike's more of a tinker, but I, I got a lot of my wisdom about machines and about history from Mike. And mm-hmm. um, not Tommy Painter taught me a little bit of stuff before he passed. But I didn't really have a lot of people like you did. The names yeah, but you, that, you talk but about. Jerry her. was... Jerry was very, very, very strong mechanic, and he he learned a lot from a lot of people. You know, I mean, like Jerry was very close with Jack, who taught me. Yeah, you know, like it's funny. I actually got a machine through Aaron that used to belong to Jerry, and it was set. Did Greg? Did he ever show you the Greg May setup? No. Like uh, like a front spring setup, like this. So I can get it in the screen. Can you see it? Wow! Look at that. How it's got like that flat uh, to here, then it's got yeah. that angle. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. like a very short I've work. Seen them, yeah. They call it a Greg May setup. Yeah, and you would put a rubber band underneath of it. Like I have one, just kind of put in there because yeah, I don't back here. Yeah. But you can slide it. It would if you put it all the way back, it'd be a little bit more, a little more give to it, and then you move it forward a little more rigid. But um, it's cool because I when I got this, it's like Zeiss Deluxe. I sent a picture to the guy, Jack, who taught me. And he's like, I gave that to Jerry years ago. And then, so it's kind of funny because it was one of Jack's machines that he got from Greg. Then went to Jerry, then back to me. So it's kind of cool. Right on. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, Jerry taught a lot of people. He knew a lot. So. Yeah, he's one of the seminars. He used to bring me into his seminars because I had done so many with him that he would let me talk. <laughs> he, kind of, he just i don't know he was just such a kind man he just talked to me and i yeah. towards him and but he was he was no shit he would he would tell you flat out i'd put a machine in his hand and he would look at it and he's like this is where you messed up this is where you messed up this is where you messed up you need to change this think about this think about this 
and he, mm -hmm. he would just give it to me and I would take that. He was yeah, definitely yeah. one of my greatest mentors and teachers. Yeah, I have I have a very similar relationship with Tony. It's like well, that's where I got that. Almost the mm -hmm. same thing. You know, yeah. like I would you know, I think I just I was just telling the story like a little while ago uh, on on one of these that like, you know, I was getting into nickel plating and and uh, and all that stuff and like copper plating and and I like, you know, I was all proud. I like you know, nickel plated this frame myself, like Bing, check it out. Like, you know, I was like breathing in cat piss for like, you know, for like hours trying to figure this shit out. So I hand it off to Tony and he, he gets it and he's just like what the fuck man it's like it's like coming <laughs> off and i was just like oh it's <laughs> like big by the way <laughs> yeah i thought that was like the greatest shit ever i was like it was in the middle of, i think i want to say it was like the philly tattoo convention i don't know i don't know what year it was but it i feel like richmond, it probably oh it might have been richmond yes yeah. richmond and speaking of richmond uh like that is where i met uh, Jerry Rieger. I was introduced to Jerry Rieger for the first time with with you, yeah. and uh, I remember uh, I'm you know I met, I met Jerry Rieger because Jerry Rieger was a Mason, and I'm yeah. a Mason, yeah. and so we met on that level. You know, like he's like been a Mason a long time, and I've been a Mason for like maybe a year or two years. So it was really really a treat to to meet someone who was a Freemason that was also uh a tattooer especially somebody who was a mason for so long and a tattooer for so long so that was really cool we hit it off right away speaking about that stuff but uh tucked away in the back of his uh you know sitting down in his booth was this older gentleman and i looked at him and he wasn't saying anything he wasn't talking i looked at him and i'm like hey is your name scott and he goes yeah and i'm like are you scott sterling <laughs> and he goes yeah and i guess that's when nobody I, I don't know that anybody I'm, I'm sure people knew who he was, but I was amazed that Scott Sterling was sitting there. I was like, holy mm -hmm. shit, you know, and uh, they were like, hey, kid, uh, you think you can watch the booth so we can go get lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sure, I'll watch your booth. I'm a grown mm -hmm. man. I have appointments and I don't care. I'm yeah, like, right. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like appointments. Who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> this is Richmond. Like, you know, like they, nobody gave a shit about me, but I was happy to sit there and watch Jerry's booth while they went and got lunch. You know, yeah. I was like really, really hyped. That's like, that's how I met. That's the first time I met Jerry and the first time I met Scott. I met Scott on other occasions too. Mm -hmm. but, uh, both great dudes. And yeah, uh, Jerry, the first time I met Jerry, he get, he, he's like, hey man, or he always said, son, hey son, I got something for you. And he handed me this acid tape from Doc King. And at wow. the time, I was like, oh, the acid tape, cool. And then like a year later, it hit me what it was. I was like, oh, he just gave me this? Wow. And oh, he had those Doc King books, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't he study under Doc King, from what I recall? Well, yeah, I think he had, I, didn't he have, I don't, I don't know if he put the books out. He definitely had frames that he modeled after like Doc oh, King. Oh yeah, Bill from Kingpin put those into production for him. Yes. Yeah. Doc Kings. Yeah, I think you're right about that. That's where he, he broke in. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Bill were real tight. Yeah. Shout out to Bill hey. Smith. Schmitty. Best dude. Hey guys, um in the in the chat we've got a lot of people saying thank you for doing these. We also want to say always one of the coolest conversations going should be much more than once a month. Haha. -ha. You could probably do that. <laughs> you got a babysitter? 
<laughs> want to come watch my kid? <laughs> you could probably do that. Well, um, I mean, babysitter, maybe, you know, babysitter for kids, you know, everybody at the shop. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff going on. I would love to do more. I mean, trust me. It's, uh, you know. Yeah, I have a so four-year-old. We'll have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, my, seven, I. my seven, she can, she can make her material. Now. Yeah, my seven-year-old is being very cooperative today. I try to get her to make me breakfast. Shit. <laughs> what types yeah. of stuff do you guys do with your kids to kind of um, show them into the industry and teach them what you know? I make her trace uh, Horiyoshi the Third Flash, like from the old book. What's the, what's this book? Shit. This one. I make her trace this stuff. <laughs> this See, like... That's yeah. hardcore. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my kids, my kids I don't force them to do anything. They're really not anything. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about Horiyoshi the Third, Horiyoshi Three, but uh. I don't know. She just draws and stuff. Uh, I mean, I bought her an iPad because like I, I've, I, you know, not for nothing. Like I, I try to do, <laughs> I do every goddamn thing imaginable that you could hand make on a tattoo machine, but uh, I'm sick of tracing paper. So I got an iPad and it saves a lot of time for me. And I got her one because I figured if she's seven years old, you know, and she's, you know, she rips a drawing now, like, you know, by the time she's, 15 16 she could put herself through college doing walk-ins for dad <laughs> right. you know it, it it makes sense you know keep yeah, you know my kids go through ebbs and flows whether they have interest in it or not you know i mean they're both you know one, my son's 13 right now he has no interest in tattooing whatsoever but he used to be really into it like him and i put together a couple though. machines I mean, like, together and he's met like you know i remember one time i signed him out of school to go to the philly convention I'm like, don't tell anybody at school where you're going. And he told the, I go to pick him up in the office. He goes, I heard you're going to go. He's going to go to meet the best tattoo artist in the world. And he's talking about Tony Polito. You know? <laughs> and, the, and the principal says, he said, said like, Tony Polito or something like that. I was like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. But, um, amazing. I thought his you know, awesome. dad was the best tattoo artist in the world. <laughs> he's right, though. Um, yeah, like my uh, younger guy, like he's tattooed me a couple times. And he wants to tattoo me again. He talks about his tattoos he wants, but then he'll not talk about it for months. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. just they're kids. They're not. And I'm not going to push them. I'm not going to like. Yeah, I don't. I mean, know. like I didn't want to do anything my dad was doing. Fuck all that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, I don't want. If they come to it, I want them to come to it with with their desire, not because I'm making them. You know, I don't want it to be yeah, like, yeah. oh, dad's punishing me. But I have to go to the tattoo shop you know yeah of course you know like yeah you don't want to like impose all your corny bullshit on them yeah yeah. she's into like i like we sit in bed and like you know like you know when i put my kid to bed i'll like you know i'll you know she's into like sham 69 like old like punk rock stuff you know so and she's not punk rock like she's not she's not getting a fucking mohawk or anything or like you Mm -hmm. know like that but yeah i try to like give her like you know like oh listen to the dead boys or listen to you know stiff little fingers or something like old punk rock stuff and i'm like here check it out because it's, it's good you yeah. know what i mean like mm-hmm. you can listen to all this other bullshit in mommy's car but you know in, in my in daddy's car we're listening to dead kennedy's and they don't understand she doesn't understand mm-hmm. the lyrical content or anything but i just want her to like you know kind of understand there's like you know there's other good music out there like tr- try this out and she's like you know she sings along with like questions and answers and hurry up harry and you know, mm-hmm. but that's the extent of like me trying to like push, you know, my bullshit on her. You know, Your classic yeah. rock. You know, yeah. yeah you, 
like, oh god, dude, like we listen to Steely Dan nonstop. Classic you know? rock. You know, well, yeah. punk hardcore now because we're older. It's classic rock to me. Yeah, it is classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to expose them to stuff, but I don't want to like make them. I don't want mini knees. I want them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Agreed. That's the way to do it. You know, that's a. It's nice that we all touched on like you know parenting and stuff because I think it's like at, at this point in our all of our lives, it's like. Well, that's the, main the most important part. thing, you know, and like, you know, all the other things like take a bit of a backseat, you know, building yeah. tattoo machines, tattooing, uh, painting, collecting, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I'm not much of a collector, but I know you guys are probably more into collecting stuff than yeah, I am. Man, uh, man. Uh, I, I have, I have some stuff that like maybe people have given me, uh, but I wouldn't say that I go out of my way to collect things. I, I think like for speaking personally, like, for me to be a collector, like I will lose my fucking mind. So like that's why I don't I, I purposely don't collect tattoo machines or tattoo memorabilia. But I will tell you this: uh, our buddy uh, JD Crow uh, is on tour of South Jersey right now. So if I don't ran know, into him I, yesterday, he came by yesterday. yesterday. Okay. So uh, I was not at work yesterday, and. Um, oh. And I miss this is the second time I missed them. I got them once. This is the second time I missed them. But were you guys my, open? Yeah, we were open. Yeah, uh, my my friend, my good friend Tina, and my friend Jen, who work at the shop, mm-hmm. best chicks on the planet. Uh, uh, they uh, Tina called me up and said, you know, JD Crow is here. Uh, did you want to buy anything? And I was like, put them on the phone. <laughs> so <laughs> I like you could tell like he doesn't want to be on the phone. <laughs> like, no, no. But he. <laughs> He knows me and like, you know, like we know each other. Uh, we met, I think at the prestige that uh, Eric Perfect's convention, we met there mm-hmm. and he was super cool. And uh, so I, I told him like, you know, do you have Venmo or anything? You know, can I like, you know, just, uh, you know, PayPal you some money. He's like, I have three new books. They're all 50 bucks a piece. I was like, perfect. I'll send you 150 bucks. Just drop them off. Make sure you sign them. Uh, and then he was so kind to give us, uh, an original sheet. You got the Marty Holcomb. Oh, you got the Marty yeah. Holcomb book. Isn't that cool? I thought that mm-hmm. was like, I, 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 you know, they told me that he'd, uh, he had given this to us and I couldn't believe it. And I, I came in and this was sitting in my station. You know the That's story nice. on those? No, tell me. Okay, so I guess JD acquired a stack of drawings from Marty just okay. like through the years just like i guess marty would bust these sheets out so he finally got around to putting a book together and there's a limited edition book and for each book of the page if you it, it, you could pick the flash that goes with that book so if you bought number 69 you could have page 69 the original okay now I contacted, I, I got one of those and I contacted Marty and you could actually send that page to Marty and he'll paint it for you. No shit. Yeah. Wow. I never did it. I mean, I, I kind of lost track, you know. I just thought it was like, you know, like you know, like getting back to collecting stuff. It's like, I, I don't collect things, but. Uh, that's something, I mean, in this business, that's something you want to have for sure. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Ama- it's amazing that like, this is like sitting, you know, in my station, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't even here. You know, like, I thought that was really, really cool. If anything, I collect books, uh, which is bad enough, you know. But, I mean, I mean, we're talking about books from, you know, when I started tattooing. Yeah. You know, and maybe some books into the distant past from then, but, like, nothing, like, crazy. But, like, tattoo books have, like, really exploded 
over the past like you yeah, know 20 would. years and there's some stuff that came out that was like you know only 10 years ago it was 50 bucks and now it's like 450 bucks great you know a lot of the hardy stuff that came out that ben corday book i bought for 50 bucks and i looked at it twice and i was like yeah this is cool and then i see it on like uh ebay or something 450 dollars like hey yeah what the hell's going on here so i guess like if if i was to collect anything it would probably probably be books like if greg christian or like raf put anything out it, it instantly i buy it chad mm-hmm. buy it. you know i bought one of uh i, I definitely bought one of uh mike's books the coleman uh you want to talk about your uh the acetate stencil book that you put out oh yeah the acetate book or the coleman book the Wait, which one do I have? It's like I have a stencil book. I think it was of Coleman stencils, right? Well, the stencil book is it's basically like my collection of stencils. Oh, okay. That, it's not, um, not straight up it's, just Coleman stuff. It, there's a few Coleman's in there, but it was like Eddie Peace, Sale Ready. It's some of my kid, my son's collection because Sale Ready gave my son a bunch of stencils. Um, but I had like it's just like a, it's just like a book of just like you know my collection of stencils, which. When we did the book, everybody, every every copy that we did, until I ran out of them, I just gave everybody my, a stencil or two, you know. That's cool. Um, well, that's not the one. That's uh. Yeah. Do you have a picture of it by chance that we could share? I do not. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. They're out of print. I mean, everything everything we did we did we we're out of print. On that's the one. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one is um. The one that you're showing is the one that Alex Cass put out. It's all stencils from the Pike. Oh, which is okay, cool. A good score if you're looking for that. Uh, Alex Cass still has those. They're really good. There's okay, a few of them. so okay, so I guess I guess the way I remember it, I just remember reading Coleman, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, it's like Coleman, right? You know, so that's what I. <laughs> but then, like Gordon and I had done the um, a book of all my Coleman collection. Okay. Did you get that book as well? I don't, I don't know. I know I bought this, I bought this from you at that prestige convention and mm-hmm. I remember being kind of drunk and, uh, I remember you, you had, um, I mean, like as anybody gets drunk, they kind of act like an asshole. Uh, I feel like I was acting like, I didn't, I don't know if I was acting like an asshole, but you definitely feel more like an asshole, uh, than usual. So, uh, I remember kind of drinking a little bit and I was like, Hey man, I know, uh, you're a guy down at black Panther. Uh, you, would you care if I came up and did a guest spot or I remember like inviting myself to a guest spot or something. You're like, yeah, whatever. And I like walked away from that. Like, I feel like such a dumb asshole. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, like, come on, dude. Like, you don't like invite yourself. <laughs> Fucking asshole. You have to open up the conversation somehow. Yeah. 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 But I think <laughs> I, we, were friend, we were friendly before that. I had gotten tattooed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, uh, I got tattooed by by you at the Asbury Park convention. I think it was mm-hmm. the second one. Um, okay. And uh, that's when I, I think that's the first time I met you. And uh, you did a you did a Bob Wicks little skull on me. But that was pretty cool, a little skull and crossbow. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like sixty bucks or something. How old were Probably. you? Probably. How old was I? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Shit, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had to be like maybe nine, nine or ten years ago. Yeah, it was the second one, so I don't know. The first one was a little, little weird. I did the first one. Uh, I don't remember seeing you there. I remember meeting uh, Robert uh, at that show. Okay, the first one. Yeah, it was definitely there. 
but uh, right? No, the first one we didn't do. Well, I remember I seeing we him. I don't there. think we, he might have been there. We, he might have stopped by. I don't think he was tattooing. I think he had books or something for sale. He had a book of his work for sale or something like that. And hmm. I, I, I kind of flipped through it, but I don't. I don't. Know the that. first year we didn't do it because there's like some conflict. But um, the second, I think the second year we did it. Okay. And then from that point forward, we did it. There's a couple of years we couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, it's a shame. I don't know if they're going to be doing that show anymore. You know, it was but, a very uh, weird show. So. It was like real weird. You know, the first one, I, and like I, I'd never really the 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 only time before that uh, I had been to Asbury Park. Uh, I mean, this is the day of like Casino Skate Park. Mm-hmm. And so I would go, you know, we would obviously go to that park because it was fucking amazing. And then yeah. uh, I think like I went to see the Super Bowl of Hardcore there, like Agnostic Front reunion, like maybe like their first reunion, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it was. And no, I think I saw I saw their first reunion. Oh, it was like '86. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, it was like. Well, yeah, they uh, always would come I'm and go. I'm pretty they sure it was '95 or '96, possibly '97. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. I remember like Asbury Park being a total shithole. Mm-hmm. Like it was fucking scary. And I'm from Atlantic City and that's a shithole enough. And like it was scary. And then to come back to that show, like to to come to the the Asbury Park uh, convention, whatever it was called, I don't know. And walking around and all the restaurants, the boardwalk was beautiful. Like everybody mm-hmm. was like having a great time. There was no like urban blight to you know like they really clean that town up and it was and like every restaurant you went to no matter if it was just like a you know a hot dog you know cart or whatever it was like mm-hmm. the best food like so yeah yeah i yeah. think you're super fortunate to have a a, a, a tattoo shop in a, in a town that's like you know that, that has been up and coming for so long it's like yeah you almost yeah forget about how how crappy it was before but it was it was a really really good experience and then i don't know what happened i just never got i never got back up there to do that convention again i would come up and visit but uh you know and come say hi to friends that did it but i never i never got to do that convention again it was a good convention i fucking made a lot of money it was great yeah yeah it was a fun i made a lot of of friends from that convention too you know Mm -hmm. it was really crazy uh but yeah like yeah asbury park is like beautiful now it's amazing yeah. we went to that i think a couple years ago when my kid was like she was she was still she was walking but she was like in a stroller we had to park in the next town over there's nowhere to yeah. park it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> like we had to park all, i don't even know what the the next town north is but whatever it is we had to park there to go to the convention oh, north and oh, i remember okay, stopping, yeah. yeah i remember stopping by your shop very briefly and you were super busy and i was like oh dude like homie looks stressed out let me go <laughs> like, you know i was like it was like real quick oh, like right. i was like all right dude good to see you later <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. i'm in there i'm in there like with yeah. you know, i had my kid in a tattoo shop and all stuff so it's like you know but it was it, there was like some street yeah, we get we get pretty crazy busy yeah it's oh it's like it's 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 such a it's such a crazy town and like i remember driving by electric and there was like i guess it was before you guys to open we were looking for parking and there was just a mm-hmm. line just waiting to get in like yeah you know, it's like it's it's so cool to see that in front of a tattoo shop i've never seen it out in front of any other tattoo shop but yours you know and that's yeah. a testament to the, like the work you do the work that uh, everybody you work with does you know and yeah i think it's i think it's an amazing yeah, blessed with a good crew yeah yeah good partnership you know 
yeah, it's 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 cool. The shop is cool too. If you ever get a chance, if anybody ever gets a chance to go, you should go check it out. There's like hand painted, hand drawn flash everywhere. It's amazing. Like yeah, you know all kinds of good stuff. Lots of treats if you look. <laughs> yeah, if you know what you're looking for, you're gonna see some cool, yeah, some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, if you don't know what you're looking for, because there's like you know from our own original stuff to some classic stuff in the walls. It's all. I'd say like 97% of the shop is, is hand painted, yeah. you know, original stuff. It's, it's, it's and little awesome. by little, we're keep changing it and getting as original as we can, you know? Yeah. It's cool to see that. Like, it's not something you really see anymore. No. You know, I mean, you don't even see flash on I mean, whether it's flash that somebody bought, but it's like every, everything looks like a fucking nail salon now. You know, it's refreshing to see tattoo shops that look like tattoo shops. Yeah. Corey. Mm-hmm. Corey. Corey Clubs does that. His whole shop is all his flash that he's hand painted. Yeah, it's up awesome. in Ohio. It's that dude's sick, man. Talk Smith about Street is like that too. I mean, Smith, mm-hmm. as far as I know, I mean, I, I haven't been to Smith Street in over ten years, but like when I was up there, that's exactly what it was. It was just you know, even the bathroom was like covered in flash. Wow. That mm-hmm. they painted. Good to see a lot of a lot of younger kids are carrying the tradition on in that yeah. regards. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, like, I like, you know, I haven't tattooed, I haven't painted in a year because it's been so busy tattooing and, you know, building machines and stuff. But uh, you got to give it to somebody that can, like, you know, work a full day tattooing and then go home and paint and then sleep and then paint and then tattoo and then paint. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's the only way I can I can even consider getting it done. Yeah, it works for me. He's like that. Dan Heck, Napalm Lungs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When he first started to work with me, he that's all he did was page after page. Like he'd have three, four pages. He's just like, I gotta paint, I gotta paint, I gotta paint. Yeah, yeah. On a tattoo, he would just paint. And then he just kind of transitioned over. And that yeah. dude has stacks. It's it's crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, it's I have like 30 sets. sheets, but it took me like years to get 30 sheets, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Years and years. I have like 10 in <laughs> it's been 30 years <laughs> hey man it's quality it's not quantity yeah you were talking about the ipad too see i shy away there's just something about the way pencil feels on paper that i'm more fluent than i am dragging a piece of plastic on glass i just don't know what it is but yeah it, it, i use it for things but when it comes to just like custom creation you were talking about this before mike with with the ipad and the paper when we were talking about our kids Mm -hmm. and there's just something about paper yeah no doubt but i'll tell you this if like all right to it like if you got to do like 10 walk-ins you know in a day it's like instrumental like you can't like i don't know how and like there's there's no flash on the wall yeah i don't you know it's not like you can pick like jd crow number this this sheet and then go to the filing cabinet make a copy of it and stick it on somebody you know, like, you know, people have stuff on the phone, they airdrop it to the stupid iPad, you trace yeah. it, yeah. tattoo it, you trace in dreams, man. It's you like, drop it. you know, like to me, like, you know, like to, you know, if you're, it, 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 it helps in so many ways. And this is like, you know, I, and like I said, like, you know, if there's a way that I can make, you know, tattoo machines any more handmade that I do, then I will try to do it. But for some stuff, like it just, you know, it's so efficient to just, you know, take a picture of it, trace it, and it's done, you know, like, you know, we, sure. we you know, just like Mike, we're like in, you know, I'm seven miles from Atlantic City, so we get a lot of, like, shooby traffic, 
and uh you know tourists and stuff like that and like they want to get tattooed they want to get tattooed now so they can sunburn the shit out of it on the beach you know Mm -hmm. so to me like the ipad works and like i'm no like and trust me like you know i was dead set on i thought i was going to die under an avalanche tracing paper you know like i thought that was going to be you know that's that's how it was going to be but this thing works i don't know who cares yeah man Hey, Tony, when you uh, mentioned uh, Dan, I'm not sure if you noticed that um, two days ago, I saw an article about a a fire that kind of destroyed a lot of stuff by his shop in Long Island. Dan Hank? Dan Hank. Yeah, over in, uh, I'm not sure if we're talking about the same guy, but over. H-E-C-H-T, Hank. Oh, okay. I was thinking Dan Hank. But no, damn. Yeah, over in New York. No, that's, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Dan. There's anything I could do for you, man. That's the worst. Hit me up. That's 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 hard. Tragic times with stuff. I hung out with that dude at that. That's funny because at, at the first Asbury convention that I I did, I worked at convention with my friend Scott Traratola, and he's from Long Island. And he's an amazing black and gray artist. Yeah, he's a cool uh, dude. Yeah, he is fucking super cool. And he was friends with Dan. And like, I went out to like dinner with all those fools. Like yeah. all these like, you know, like I don't know who the hell. There was no traditional dudes. <laughs> so like. You know what I mean? It was like all like crazy, you know, illustrations and black and gray dudes. And like, it was. Yeah. Yeah. They lost a bunch of art and a lot of stuff. So that's uh, sending our good wishes to them. Yeah. I'll have to dig around and see if I can get his contact. And I got some stuff if he needs some stuff. <laughs> I got 35 years worth of shit. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> I'll load it up, dude. <laughs> I got too much stuff. Yeah, that is a tragedy. I feel bad. Oh, we froze. Yeah. Somehow, Greg. Greg over here. Look at that smiley, Greg. How cute you look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He's frozen, frozen. All right. So for you guys, what is your um, next stop that you will make? I know that uh, I went to a convention in Chicago last weekend. It seems like things are normal in the u.s enough yeah i don't know if i call it normal everyone's stretched <laughs> out about this new delta variant and then yeah another variant yeah uh, people are ignoring it um my next stop I, I, I there's a pittsburgh show coming up there's a dc show coming up i do richmond every year obviously i'm, I'm doing the show with you guys and gabe um i'm trying to slim down my travels this year spend more time with my family it's one thing that covid taught me being like because i ran 24 7 for years building machines tattooing being a part of the business just submerged myself in the in the aspect of tattoo i just lived it 24 7 and great just texted sorry and um I just learned at COVID, like now it's time to just slow down a little bit and chill with my family. I yeah, like I cut a day down on shift. I like it. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I got back to living a little bit and enjoying life. That rat race, like when you're younger, it's cool. And the rush is there and it's fun and you're learning. Um, not to say that I don't still learn. I still don't get a rush, but it's just it, life is different now Mm -hmm. so i'm slowing it down a little bit i'm picking and choosing which shows i want to go to and what kind of energy i want to put out there so yeah that being said those are the shows i most likely will be doing because i've been doing those forever the staple shows 
Um, and then we're doing um, the Rubber City show, which has been postponed two years because of COVID. Uh, we'll be doing that in, in July of August of next year. And that'll probably be it for now. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm a homebody. I'm a homebody. I don't really do much traveling. Like I said, September, I'm going to go down to Virginia. And, you know, if something else comes up, you know, I'm going to probably try to go upstate and visit some friends up there and stuff like that. But as far as shows, I don't really have anything on the radar right now. Right. Right. You're saying I'm pretty much like between us being closed down for a little bit and just kind of snowballed into being booked out a little bit more than I normally am. And, and now we're taking walk-ins again. So that's, it's really busy with that. And, uh, but I'm still trying to do all that and not work every day. You know what I mean? Like trying to keep a little free time, right. <laughs> you know, I try not to work every day, but I'm yeah, like, you know, that's, I mean, like we're pretty blessed in the sense that like, we don't, we work, but we're not working. Like we're enjoying, you know, I know I am, I enjoy what I do and, and, uh, you know, but I just try to be, you know, it used to be, I was off, I had a day off, I'd go to a tattoo shop, you know, and, and now I'm trying to like, I like to be able to do that every week and go visit a friend and, or go, you know, brainstorm. Like we're actually trying to work out a thing where me and a few friends, we want to get together and, and exchange machine ideas, like have a little like mini, you know, everybody, you know, share thoughts and set up machines together, you know, and, uh, right. You know, I'm pretty excited for that because it's, you know, some some people I really look up to that want to do it, you know, but it's just trying to find a day that we can all get together, you right. know, that's understand. And, uh, you know, it's just it's, you know, and sometimes I, I like like Sundays or family days specifically, you know, right. and during the week, you know, it's I'm I'm home with my kids on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And and hopefully I have you know, like now that I got some frames I could start working on, I can do that here and, and still be around them and, 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 and do stuff with, you know, like work on machines for a couple hours and go to the park, you know, and go yeah. swimming or whatever, you know, and uh, just try to enjoy as much. But like, I, I as far as traveling, I, I want to do it, but I, 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 I feel, I, I kind of feel alien at conventions sometimes, yeah. you know, I'd rather go to like a shop shop. And, and I remember picking, realizing that I think it was, rochester convention the first rock city convention or whatever it was and just being like like nobody knew nobody knew the town nobody was you know everybody's set up in a convention you're not in your own ways and just being like it'd be cooler to go to somebody's shop who knows the city or knows the town you're watching them work in their natural surroundings and like oh, i'm gonna set my station up like that because it makes sense to do that you know and like you yeah. feel like you learn more from somebody that way you know right yeah, you could just and, uh, inside their lives too. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, you feel like it to me, it's that's what I want to try to do a little more like guest spot type stuff, you know? More personal. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's like a little bit, and I'm like, I, you know, so, so, some sort of like a social anxiety, I guess you'd say. I just, smaller groups work better for me than a big group, you know? Right. You know? And plus, it's like, you know, I, you go to a tattoo convention, it's like a kid in a candy store. It's a huge, you know, huge candy store sometimes, especially at the Philly show. Yeah. Where oh it's like complete, God. complete sensory overload for the whole first day. <laughs> then I can kind of, kind of start focusing on stuff, you know? So that's why I feel like I pick up, I, I, I do better when it's a smaller situation. You, know? you ever work that show? I have. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Have to, you have to go to the bathroom the day before you go to your booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, like Milan convention was like that. I did that one year and it was like, you had to make sure you didn't drink anything. Cause you had, you know, trying to go to the bathroom would take you an hour. 
an uh-huh. hour <laughs> shuffling for yeah an and, you, and you need you know for especially for the philly show anymore you almost need to have like a navigation system in your phone you know just <laughs> to kind of get you back to your booth gee it's so big it's amazing you know? yeah those are so i did that show yeah i can't even tell you 10 years ago 12 years ago and it was in, it was absolutely insane it was in the hotel mm-hmm. at that time. and there was a a uh like a harley show downstairs and then the convention upstairs and mm-hmm. friday morning i set up it was cool by friday afternoon i was like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like i couldn't even you couldn't get out of your booth to make a stencil and if you did it, you were gone for a half hour 45 minutes back and forth crazy but that mm-hmm. that was a great show i i always did really well at philly Troy yeah, was always even even as big as the convention is now, it's too much for me. Yeah, but it's still a great show. As big yeah, as I, it is, you know? it's too much for me now. Now that I'm older and I'm a little more relaxed, yeah, that those bigger shows, I I stay with the smaller shows, like the old school shows in, in the early '90s. There mm-hmm. were hotel shows, small. Yeah, booths was a lot. Exactly. Like that's like what, what Greg was talking about the one in Asbury Park. I think like 50 booze was the most it ever had, you know, so it's kind of had that same kind of vibe. And I like doing the, um, the Saratoga convention that the small, the people at Spalding host again, real small, you know, not, not overly busy, but busy enough, you know, gives you some time to hang out and and he's still tattoo, you know, I have Greg on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) You are on speaker. Can you guys hear him? Say hello. A little bit. So I go, so like, I go outside and some, some fucking Comcast dudes in the back cutting off my neighbor's cable. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, I, I was like, you know, it's like a splitter. Like you guys, they shouldn't have you on a splitter, like between two businesses. I'm like, you all doing a fucking podcast, man. <laughs> like, like broadcasting to the whole goddamn world. And you're out back fucking with my, my internet. Oh my god. Oh, this is amazing. All right, great. We're gonna finish up anyhow, brothers. Anything you wanna say before we finish up here? Uh just uh don't fuck with Comcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're in a podcast, dude. Uh I just wanna say, you know, huge shout out to Mike for uh for letting us listen to uh uh, his history of building tattoo machines and who he built with. And uh, it's well, thank you for asking amazing me. to have like somebody like you in this tattoo world, uh, you know, and for Tony, uh, the mega homie, <laughs> like, always, always been there for me when I, when I, when I needed him and stuff like that, as far as tattoo machine building and stuff like that. And I hope we get to do more of these. Uh, if somebody, if somebody's, if somebody wants to, wants to see more of them then maybe we should try to do more i mean what does everybody else think i'm down always you know that always since i'm not involved i'll say yeah do more (laughs) (laughs) you can be involved that's fine Uh, anyway that's my story i'm sticking to it thank you mike i really appreciate it thank you yeah yeah how do do people get in touch with you greg what's that how do people get in touch with you oh uh well, if, if you want to get tattooed or you want to buy a machine, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, at Veritas MFG. That's MFG. It stands for manufacturing. Uh, so, you know, hit me up on there. 
stop by Mr. Blue Sky Tattoo in uh, Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. We're right outside of Atlantic City. Uh, fun times there, too. So, uh, yeah, it's about it. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty much it. I don't know. All what right. To say. I'm kind of pissed off about this whole, like, uh, cable thing. <laughs> hey, we got so, you on phone, man. This is classic. I dig it. We got you. necessary. It'd be even better if I FaceTime you and just hold you in my screen the entire time like I'm doing. <laughs> I could. I mean, I didn't even think far enough to, like, try to, like, get a Zoom meeting going on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. So, that would have been a nice yeah, workaround. I call you, like, some dude and say, put me on speakerphone. No, that's fine. All right, my brother, you take care, and I will talk to you soon. All right, man. Good luck with everything, Greg. I'll see you soon. All right, brother. Later. Later. Bye. All right, cool. That was Greg. Comcast snipped his line. We work around. Yeah. So, all right, Mike, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on here. It's good to meet you through this. It's good to meet you, too. We'll have to get together in person if I ever get yeah, over that. Yeah, for sure. Way. You know, it's it's a couple of kids and whatnot, but I'll be getting around eventually here. Um, Same here. I appreciate it, it, um, what you do i appreciate the time you put into this industry well thanks likewise give back um yeah it's an honor to met you and talk to you um i admire guys who worked under masters and i try and learn from them um how can people get in touch with you for tattooing for machines etc well i work like greg was saying i have electric tattoo in asbury park and that's uh, electric tattoo nj on instagram and um it's Mike Swaggart on Gmail. I'm sorry. Mike Swaggart at gmail.com is my email. And then Mike Swaggart on Instagram. So. Yeah. So if Google Mike Swaggart, it'll all come up. Yeah. I'm sure it's easy, easy to spell. Yeah. I found you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll come up. There's not too many Mike Swaggart's a tattoo. No, nope. Okay. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. I'd like to thank Guy, Lauren, um, Gabe, Greg. And Mike for being our guest. Uh, I'm Tony Urbanic. I am at Tony Urbanic. I am at T Urbanic Machines. If you need to get in touch with me, um, I guess people like this podcast, so we could do it again. Um, reflection, weird. Um, we could do it again. I'll see. Uh, I'll put together a schedule for next month. Um, everybody have a great day and. Thanks once again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace, Bye. Mike. Thank you, Mike. You Thank you, Tony. Bye. Bye, Thank Lauren. you.